it is Monday, and you know what time it is. It is FRPC Hoops, and I am here with the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons. For this podcast, the Canadian Zach Lowe, and also the forever Canadian son of Loretta Curran, Nico Miatello. What's up? Not much, man. I'm I'm pretty excited for this last, well, what I assume is going to be the last finals game today. And I've uh, been kind of excitedly following the coaching hires around the league as well this last week. Not just the head coaching jobs, but the assistant coaches as well. Yeah, sir. You sell the not much short. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What's going on with you? But we'll we'll double back to that later. Yeah. Um we got some coaching news. Mm-hmm. We have some uh rumors. We got some trade speculation. Just yeah. reckless trade speculation. Um ideas on that re- reckless trade speculation. So Let's get into it. Let's start talking about the Toronto Raptors' new head coach, mm-hmm. Darko Rajakovic. Um, yeah. It's not your typical Euro guy. So why not don't you give all. us a little background on him? Because he has an extensive background in NBA circles and um, also in the de- developmental league as well. So. Yeah, he he's actually his previous head coaching experience happened in the NBA D League before it became the G League with the Tulsa 66ers. That was uh now a decade ago though. He's bounced around the league on multiple staffs being a well thought of player development coach and he clearly found his stride in Memphis over the last little while on this Taylor Jenkins staff. And he's been credited by a lot of guys on those teams for helping improve their game a lot. When you look at a team like Memphis that's had so many of these draft picks come in and make impacts on their squad, guys Jaron Jackson, John Morant, Desmond Bain, and even you go a little bit further down with guys like Xavier Tillman and Zaire Zaire Williams. I always go to say Zaire Smith because of the guard from the Sixers back in the day. But uh, they've had a lot of developmental success stories by this point. And coming from a coach in Nick Nurse who really struggled in that area, I think this is a great hire for them. What you mentioned about him not being your typical Euro is that exact thing I talked about earlier. The fact that he's already been coaching in America, in the NBA, for the last 10 years. He has a way to relate to players that sometimes these European coaches struggle with, trying to come over and play this beautiful game that works in, in Europe, but isn't quite the same in the NBA when you have these super elite athletes. It doesn't it doesn't translate quite as well. But if he can find a way to marry the two styles, uh, we could be looking at 
uh, one of the next great coaches in the league. And he's someone who's well thought of by not only players throughout the league, but a lot of people throughout the league thought this was an excellent hire and have been singing its praises since it happened. So I think that that goes to show that Toronto did take way longer than any of us assumed on this process, but it seems like their timing was well-placed and they made the right selection. Roger Kovic is also been uh, accredited on Jonas Valachunas' uh, little mm-hmm. rise that he has had. Um, and I want to kind of marry that with a, a kind of a thought theory bubble that I have as well. Cause we were talking about bigs and mm-hmm. what, what they represent now in the league. And I think uh, we might be moving towards a, a land of giants again. So um, the other thing that you're going to find out about this guy is it's not about him. So if you were turned off by nurse mm-hmm. at the press conferences, <clears throat> I know certain t- certain players were. Yeah. <clears throat> they have voiced that. Um, also, if you, uh, you know, he's about development and he is going to make it about his players and their style. And it's going to be kind of military tactical in his in his way he does it. He doesn't necessarily care about what the other team is doing. Because yeah. we're going to run ours so precise. It's going to be so fine-tuned that that they aren't going to know what hit them. So he believes in the system, um, carries a lot of confidence, but it's not it's not overt, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not bombastic in any way. So welcome to the to the new north. Yeah. Roger Kovic. Yeah. I, I guess I I think the Raptors have been really ready for this type of transition for a few years now. And when when Masai first came into the team, the idea was that he was going going to rip the thing to the ground and build like an entirely new um, squad overall. And at the time, he ended up making a Rudy Gay trade that flipped everything in Toronto's favor and then a few more trades that wound up winning them a championship with their old core. Mm-hmm. Now I think it might finally be time for the Maasai rebuild to start. I know we've had some questions in the past about whether or not Maasai was long for this team, but at this point it seems like he's fairly entrenched. Um, a lot of the other jobs that he's been tied to in the past have been secured long-term, namely Washington. So I kind of think Masai is getting ready for that next building block, and you found a coach who helps with that. I'm I'm excited to see what a Masai Toronto Raptor rebuilt team ends up looking like. And they don't have a pick this year, right? No, they do. They do. They have pick 13 or... 12 i can i'll find out for sure and let you know look that up please and thank you well this is going to further the conversation that i want to have when it comes to okay pick 13 Mm -hmm. all right 
um, about bigs and length and how it works and why we we might think small ball works, but you know what also works? Bigger small ball works. Yeah. yeah, man. Small ball has always gotten kind of the wrong rap because it's never been about players being smaller. It's about players being faster and players being more skilled than the players on the other side of the floor. The NBA previously had aged in kind of into kind of a slower game and we weren't really getting bigs at the at the highest level that were impacting the game continuously when the the all NBA changes were talked about back then it was because um we we were forcing kind of a third team center onto the squad that maybe wasn't an all NBA level player. Now we're at the point where we want to change the all NBA rules so we can put multiple centers on the first team. So clearly the league has kind of shifted in that way. And now that we have larger, more talented players, a lot of them who can also play with speed, the game is going to move away from that, that small ball style. Also, small ball, while it made some of the bigger positions a little bit tinier in general with guys like Draymond playing the five, it's made a lot of the guard positions a lot bigger because with every guard being a shooter, you can't really get away with a six foot, six foot one guard the way that you used to be able to because it can't really contest the shot anymore. So you're basically not seeing guys like that in the league at all this this small ball transition for the league has been a long way around of actually making the league bigger rather than smaller which everyone kind of assumed at the beginning this leads me into my next little rant Mm -hmm. The consensus is is that Brandon Miller of Alabama is number two now. Yeah. Because size is better. So the NBA says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're making a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm letting you know that Scoot Henderson has a at least Nico says six nine, I think it's six ten. Wingster. Yeah. Well, I think so, they, he has official measurements that are do we? six nine. Okay, not, I think it's like six nine and three quarters or something. Okay, so six ten basically. Yeah, six ten windscreen. All right, so he's are he's already like Donovan Mitchell in that respect, <clears throat> right? He's he's like that. We don't trip off Donovan Mitchell. No. No, and by the way, Gar- Garland and Mitchell might not be the best fit, just as a FYI. Too small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But if you are Charlotte and you have a 6'8 guard, yeah. why would you care if you had a 6'2 or 6'3 guard with a 6'10 wingspan 
that could literally jump. It wouldn't matter where LaMelo threw the ball. It wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just go up and get it. Just yeah. go up and get it. In transition, that's going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. His defense is scary. his defense. I'll be it still raw. His athleticism and his want to makes up for certain deficiencies. Yeah, and you're not gonna out athlete athlete this dude. <laughs> yeah, for you're sure. Not gonna out. I don't care who you are in this league. Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards and him. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. Like, the yeah, just the great. thought of them playing against one another, and could you imagine? One of them rising up on one another. Yeah, we'll yeah. See no, what that would look great. like. We're gonna get to see it. It would. Yeah, definitely. That's but we point. might get to see it, man. At number four, bro. Uh, <laughs> you, we're getting into this. We're getting messy early. Let me tell yeah. you how this is going today. I've been everywhere. Yeah. And okay, one. By all reports, Charlotte is on Miller. Yeah, yeah. Number three is in play. And it looks like Portland has decided we are going the Damian Lillard route. We are going to repay the loyalty that Dame has shown us over a decade plus. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I commend them on their loyalty. Mm -hmm. I question the decision. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. So if three is in play, you would think, oh, Scoot is the logical answer. Nico, I'm here to tell you that I know three teams that want to move up. Mm Mm-hmm. I know of two of them that have have tasted playoffs. One of them got close. They are not looking at Scoot Henderson at three. It would be a Thompson twin. Yeah. They all have different ones that they like. Mm -hmm. So there's no consensus there. Yeah. That means Scoot Henderson... Would be four. And I didn't think I was going to live in a world. Where Scoot Henderson. Just please go back and look at the G League. Ignite against. The Met 92. Just. Oh yeah. Go back man. Best games for sure. Just go back. I mean if you want to see high high levels of competition. And whatever. and uh, Yeah he played in the. G League all throughout the year. But yeah. I'm here to tell you that that kid took his foot off the pedal because he was actually trying to highlight the other guys on the team. The Leonard Millers of the world, the uh, Sokoko. So, what is it? Say it for me. Uh, City Sissoko. Sissoko. I knew I was going to mess that up. So, and players like that. He was actually being unselfish. But there were 
he he's young, so there wasn't a lot of sophistication to him. So he kind of looked like he was moping and kind of going through the motions. But I'm here to tell you that although I don't, that wasn't pretty, there was some mythology, there was some, there was some method to it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I'm selfish. <laughs> he actually thought if he played harder, it would tear down their stock. Yeah. Well, definitely there were, there was Scoot taking his foot off the pedal last year. Like you, that's, that's inarguable. There were times, especially down towards the end of the year where you could see him on the floor and not giving the effort in nearly the same way. But whether it was, like you said, to, to highlight his teammates, which is kind of the, the, the impression I got from it, or whether it was because he knew he was going to be drafted in the top few and just decided, hey, I don't need to give it my all anymore. He still showed up, which is more than a lot of people do. But like none of that matters <laughs> once he comes into the league. He once he's in the NBA, he's going to try hard all the time because that's the type of kid he is. You know, you know that he wants to be a star. He's gonna work to be a star. And man, this kid already has a chip on his shoulder because he is falling to number two. Because he's falling to two behind Victor. If he falls to four, you're just asking him to become Michael Jordan and you're asking Houston to become the next multiple title winner because that is absolutely insane to me. He is far and away, I'd say, the second best prospect in this draft. I prefer him to just about everyone other than Zion from the last several drafts. I I think this would be absolutely insane to pass on a guy like that. When it comes to specifically Charlotte, I I think them passing on him would be a mistake, don't get me wrong. But that's the one team I just really don't want to see him go to, not because I don't think he could succeed. He he would be definitely a better defender if he was in Charlotte than most other situations because he'd be with LaMelo, so he wouldn't have the ball-handling load. He'd have ability to exert more effort on the defensive side. And he'd be able to be a cutter and a scorer. He would succeed there, secondary ball handler. He could do all those things. It's just like in the league right now, we only have so many pass-first point guards. He is one of them. I don't want him playing with another one. I want to see more passing throughout the league. Whether it's in Houston or not, I'd just like to see him in a situation other than Charlotte personally, but that's just me being greedy and not wanting to see a player I like in a role I don't like for him. Hey, Nico, I'm going acknowledge to you, <clears throat> acknowledge you right now because you are a sweet man. Mm -hmm. And I say that, you know. Thank you. But let's call a spade a spade. We do not want to see Scoot Henderson with Steve Clifford. Let's just no, no, yeah, that's okay. That's, that's the first but and foremost thing. That, that's not going to last much longer. But hey, man, Jordan selling the team. No new owners Let, keeping Steve Clifford. Listen, I, 
I I don't care if they spend a day in the building together. Yeah, I don't want to see that. Day. I don't well, want this kid because huh? it's Steve Clifford. At least he won't be playing because it's Steve Clifford. He started everyone on the bench. He never plays rookies. Maybe he'll. That's be my point. For third oh, he'll be in the G League for sure. <laughs> I'll be downloading YouTube games. I'll be like, what are we doing right now? Why is Scoot Henderson playing for, what is it, the Greensboro Buzz or whatever? Yeah, yeah I think that's what they're called. Something, I don't know. Sting? Something? Yeah. I don't know. Can't have that. No. But it would happen. So yeah. in, 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 in kind of a roundabout way, <laughs> even though we think this is a huge mistake, this actually works better for our guy. Oh yeah, this is in man, man. If there's one organization I want him and Brandon Miller both actually as far away from as possible, it's them. It Charlotte. I I actually kind of think the Thompson twins might have the right kind of mindset to go into a place like that and thrive. Specifically, maybe Asar, but. Guy, a guy like Scoot, just because of the other star in Lamelo, and a guy like uh, Brandon Miller, because of the lack of overall maturity in the locker room, would be, those are just two marriages I don't like with Charlotte landing there. Which uh, that was kind of the thing that disappointed me the most about the lottery, despite the fact I want to see the Charlotte team succeed. I just this isn't the way for it to happen for them. It would have been. Better for them to land at one or five in in my mind, anyways. Mm. So <laughs> we get to a point where three is on the table and mm-hmm. it's sold off to the highest build bidder. And then four comes up. Yeah. And the talk of your team is that we want to win now. Oh yeah. Raphael Stone, trade Scoot Henderson? I think under no circumstance would you, would they trade Scoot. Okay. I think you gotta at least you gotta be at least open. You gotta at least no. I I I am, open, out. I I am open to the idea of of trading. What, off what would you want? Let me I, just ask that question. Oh, you I, are now Raphael Stone. It is you are on the club. Like you you go see. I don't know. I, no, hold I on. Let me finish. Can I finish? We're yeah. trying to make content here. Yeah, I get it. Okay, we're draft day. Mm-hmm. Charlotte took Brandon Miller. Yeah. Uh, Orlando moved up. Yeah. And they somehow took Amen oh. Thompson. Oh man, man. Hold on. That's a disaster for Orlando. I, I'm not saying that, that it works. I, I, I don't. Keep going. Keep going. I get it. Number four, you're on the clock. You uh, now have Scoot Henderson. Your yeah. phone rings. Who, who is it that you're looking for? Yeah, it's, it's to get the be, call. It's got to be like a Pascal Siakam top twenty five player in the league for me to be even willing to entertain it. Like I think. 
the situation the Rockets have continuously put themselves in and what uh, they've said even even recently is that they're trying to get those swings at top level talent. That's that's the thing that they did the rebuild to do to get multiple swings at guys who they think can be some of the best players in the league. And a guy like that is specifically the exact type of player that they would want a pick for, that they would want to sit and pick and select. Um, You've seen it with Jabari last year being a guy who was rumored to go number one and they just sat at number three and when number three came up didn't they didn't even work the guy out but they didn't have even uh, a hesitation before selecting him they knew this draft had the top three players they were going to take one of the top three players the you go look at the draft before not with the Jalen Green pick the Jalen Green pick they they thought he was the second best player they picked him but the Alperin Shangun pick they saw a spot on the board where a guy they had ranked higher was falling. They traded into the draft to go up and get him because they felt like that's where the value was. I, I Also, Ty Ty Washington, a guy they saw slipping, made the Christian Wood trade, secured that pick. There's been multiple opportunities for them to take players who have been sliding in the draft, and they always do it. If there's a guy like Scoot with that level of upside who not only has like superstar potential, he also fits the exact position of need amongst their young core. I think there's no possible way they even take the phone call, to be honest. Who would be at the tipping point? Like who would be the one that is like, we're really going to have a conversation now. I, I think it's Pascal Siakam. Like, it's that level of player. Like, okay. I, I've mentioned him multiple times. I'm, try, I'm, trying to think, I'm trying to think of somebody else. I'm trying to think of anybody. Uh, I'm, try, I'm just... Like Paul George? Like, I, I think you're, you're, yeah. you're shooting that, that high. No, I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm thinking, how yeah, high no, do I, you want to go? Throw some I, names out. I, That's I get, what I'm asking. I get, like, both those trades are... Uh, like inherently unfair for both Toronto and uh, the Clippers. But I just, I can't see a world where they, they're literally handed the solution to their problems, like on a silver platter and they turn it down unless it's one of those types of guys coming in. Can I ask you a weird question? Mm Mm-hmm. Not saying they would. Yeah. Probably wouldn't make a lot of sense because they've made so many because they're right now on the cusp. But if Pressy saw that this really fits my timeline better, Scoot fits my timeline better with Giddy or whatever case may be. Oh, yeah. Shea Gilgis Alexander? Yeah, yeah, you take that in a second. I'm just asking, like, I don't believe it to be something that would. I'm just asking... Theoretical yeah. with that, that, yes, yes. Is yeah. that an overpay on OKC side? Yes, definitely. okay. All right, yeah, so yeah. that's too high. Yeah, that's that's. And then Siakam is like, Siakam is also too high, but I think you need. You think to, Siakam's too high? I think Siakam's too high for just like the fourth overall pick straight up. 
But I went once you're like in that position and it's a player who like is at is at that level and fits you that well. Someone has to come with an offer that's too high for you to accept it. I don't know if I would trade Scoot for Siakam myself. I I really like Siakam and I think well that's that's like you're getting James Harden. I think you is when you make a trade like that is like you you have that locked in and you see Siakam as a guy who kind of works really well with a player like Jabari. I think that that would be the reason I'd aim at someone like him. And I mean, I probably also like Siakam more than you do. I think he should have been an all NBA player this year. Hey, Nico. Mm-hmm. I bet you you'd rather have Scoot than Kyrie Irving. I definitely would. <laughs> I definitely would. But apparently, you I want to talk about that cool. report? Because yeah. when I heard that, I was like, "This, please, God, let this be true. Well, let this happen." Yeah, for no, me, this is dot connecting that I've actually done with you on the pod before as well with a guy in Kyrie Irving who I can I know what this Houston team's trying to do this year. They have their eyes set on a play-in spot. They want their goal is to be above where Oklahoma City is this year. They're trying to to make that dash ahead of them so they their pick doesn't get swapped and they can be in in a better position going forward. They want a star above all else. And the report came out that if the Harden thing falls through, then Kyrie would be a backup option the team looked at. That's exactly what I said on the podcast previously. I totally expect that to be the case. Just because they they want that kind of guy. And Kyrie is someone who Jalen specifically looks up to. As he said you on the Paul George podcast, you can miss me with that woke shit. But he looks up to him as a basketball player. So that that gives that I think that would help them work out a whole a whole lot on the floor. And I I don't to be honest, a guy like Jalen might even like that move more than he'd like a Harden move. So I I I think the street cred. No, no, I think I think the problem is there's it's something we've even talked about on this pod before as well. Just the stigma with Houston Harden and a little bit of that concern seems to be creeping in with Jalen as well. Like we're being worried that Harden might try to come back to Houston and just take the ball a hundred percent of the time. Cause that's exactly what will happen. I, and I, I don't believe that's what will happen, but I, I know I understand. you live in a world where puppies are great unicorns fly around and butterflies and all this so yeah i i know i i just i have more faith in my guy obviously yes you do um i so i think there's that that concern that exists naturally and Kyrie, as as like ball dominant as he can be is it's just not the same thing at all he 
he plays off other guys like with consistency. You've even seen him do that with lesser players as well. We were talking before the podcast and Yuta Watanabe was a guy I kept highlighting because that's a dude who basically has never got a lot of shots in his career, but Kyrie kind of helped him into being, being a great player. Harden had a part in that earlier as well, but Kyrie really helped maximize him. And I think you could kind of see something like that with other guys in Houston as well. If that fit were to come to pass, that being said, uh, under no circumstances do I want Kyrie Irving on my team. I, I'd rather have any any other configuration of players, but I just I just know what this organization is looking for. And Tillman is a guy who's unafraid of stuff like that. So I think he'd definitely be willing to lean into the Kyrie of it all. Um, I think that's dot connecting that was kind of easy to do. So I'm I'm glad that Stein reported it and gave that a little bit more credibility. Okay. I will just say this. I, I don't know if you know what Jalen Green is yet. You definitely do not know what Jabari Smith Jr. is yet. Yeah, I don't know if you know what Alperin Sangoon is yet. Oh, yeah, you have absolutely So bringing in somebody as strong as a Kyrie or Harden, to me, limits, stymies the development of those type of players. Because we all know what's going to go down at crunch time. We all know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Maybe Kyrie drags them to a playoff or playing. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Not really sure. I don't think Kyrie makes them better than Oklahoma City. I don't know. I think it could, but it would be a confluence of factors. It would you would also need a few other guys on Houston to take a step mm. for that to be which the case. But I think would, it's possible. Which would okay, you think it's possible and I think it's doubtful. Because oh. I don't look I I want Jalen Green to work. So far, let's put it this way. You were high on Jalen Green, and I was high on Mobley, right? I think yeah. Mobley has shown more, and he is he. You can theoretically see what he is more than what you can see yeah. in Jalen Green. Like he showed me that he sure. plays defense. Yeah, he but showed like, me what, that. What is he offensively? I I have no answer for that question. We, I have a we, lot more of we an don't. Answer question on Jalen Green. Yeah, but what is it? Because right now it's kind of Chucker. Uh, he, he, uh, I know you say that a lot, but I very much don't see that in his game. His game at this point is developing. It, it kind of feels like he's going the Zach Levine route a little bit. Oh my God, here we go. But I think he's, I think there's a different player in there as well, and that's not the guy he's going to continue to develop into. I think there's a lot more in his game than that. He he scored 22 points a game this year on relatively solid efficiency. 
got considerably better as a passer at the end of the year. Would you and say it was easier to score in the league now? Def- yes. Okay. What, but what does that have? 22 um, points is 22 points. We can still compare that to other people in the league. Okay. Right now, I, this might be harsh for you, but I look at Jalen Green as a good stat, bad team guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you guess know, and you, I don't know if there's. I, what I would like to see is for Houston to see what it is more this year. Mm-hmm. Now, will, one the way problem is, is how can you win and do that at the same time? Because uh, think... you got two guys and really actually like three or four guys you're developing all at the same time. Oh, you got Tari, Shagun, Jabari. Jalen, oh, we still have the matter of KPJ. Yeah. And whoever else you bring in in this draft. Washington, KJ Martin, like. There's too much development going on if you're trying to win. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very clear. They're bringing in, like like I've, I've said, I think they're going to have, like, probably eight or nine guys different in the rotation than this past season. It's going to be a complete overhaul of this roster for it to move in the direction of competing period. But I, I think you look at what Jalen green has done and you look at a guy like Kevin Porter jr. Who shared the court with him and been heliocentric for a lot of this time. And if you just put James Harden in the spot where Kevin Porter Jr. is, that's a hell of a lot better for Jalen Green. That gives him the ball a whole lot more than he's had it in the past. So I just... And we're going to just have Harden stand off in the corner. What? And we're just going to have Harden standing off in the corner. No, no. Have him do what Kevin Porter Jr. has done and dribble the ball the whole goddamn shot clock. There's way there's so many things that Harden can do conducting the team and just pass the ball to Jalen Green, like he did just lead the league in assists last year. I he can take 50, 22 shots a game, and this team can still have more ball movement than it had last year. I think though both those things would be likely if Harden were to come in and take that step they i think kpj maybe should move off the team but if the ime udoka vision of him being an off-ball spot-up player and his him seemingly leaning into it being like the only player who's been at every single organized team activity this offseason really wanting to kind of reinvent himself to work in the ime system is real then perhaps he can stay in this organization but I just really failed to understand how having James Harden running the same role that KPJ ran last year makes our team more heliocentric. He's going to suck the he's going to suck the ox, oxygen out that room. 
I don't think what? you can. I think he will cannibalize the development of Jalen Green and Jabari Smith. I just, I, but I think I he's too high a level of a dude to come in and you know what's going to happen. That is James Harden's team. No question. There's there's no answer. And if you want to fully realize Jalen Green, I think that's too strong of a guy. I think Kyrie's too strong of a guy. I think there are other people out there that would compliment him better, would help him in his like developmental who? path. You're going to hate me when I say it. You're going to hate me, and I don't care. Um, and, I, I, and I'm and i not looking at your team as like, oh, this is going to – I believe you will win. I believe you will win. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Oh, I don't hate you when you say that at all. I okay. absolutely would love Chris Paul on this team. I, Chris Paul he, would help Jalen Green immensely. Oh, yeah, I think I think he could help a lot. The only and Jabari Smith. The only concern I have with Chris Paul is is Chris Paul still Chris Paul? Like we saw a lot of it kind of fade away for him at the end of that Phoenix run. And, like, if that's a trend for a player who is, like, we were just talking about the league getting continuously taller and he is 38 years old, there's a chance he can't keep up like he used to anymore and he's just not nearly as useful of a player. So he can't help your team at that same level. That'd be my only concern with CB3. No, you monitor him. You monitor him. I would want him more than anyone else. In you monitor season. him, you play him like 64 games, you have like a, a real plan, 62 games, whatever. But You don't play him I'm on like crazy back-to-backs. Games, Dude, you I can still to... win, bro. I You can still I, win. If my big free agent acquisition isn't playing for like 20 games of the season, that... That could happen with Kyrie or James Harden. It could happen, but it's way more likely to happen with Chris Paul. Who I I need to have you not in. seen who who no I've seen Kyrie it. Irving I've seen is it. I've seen who both those guys are but with Chris Paul you literally need to write it into the plan before the season even starts with those guys it happens randomly and it it's not it's not random enough happen. where it hasn't happened over the last three First, years it never happened in Houston once he was an Iron Man through his entire tenure. Like, he's getting older, he's getting injured, but I think, to a certain extent, he has to understand that he needs to take a step back for his own health. Not necessarily a step back in role, but a step back in exertion at times. And I I think that'll... I literally can't believe we're disagreeing on the health risk of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and CP3. Like, to me, it's yeah. all the same. Yeah, I it's all the same. It's all the same. I don't think it's all the same at all. The CP3 has had more injury issues than James Harden throughout his career and is years older now. 
I, but I you're don't planning CP3 because the, here's the thing with CP3. He's going to work with the organization. Yeah. Yeah, he will. Okay. Harden will have the to. Other... Hold on. What did you just say? Harden will have to. Will have to because what has yeah. he shown previous? He's worked with Houston. He hasn't worked in the last two situations with the other with the other teams he's been on. I I don't know why I'm blowing you away. I'm just saying things that are true. He worked with Houston throughout up until the very end. Until it suited him better. Right? I think the you So we're bringing in a self-interest guy or are we bringing in a team guy cuz give me the team guy over the self-interest guy every day of the week. Give me CP3 oh, over James Harden any day of the week. Equal, if they were equal, I'd agree. If CP3 wasn't like a minute away from retiring and like even if I'm factoring in the CP3 is only playing 60 games, he's still probably going to hurt his hamstring and miss like 20 of those 60 games at this point in his career, I, I'm just, he's not the guy you can rely on in the same way. Just as theoretical as James Harden is as the on ball initiator and getting everybody these shots, I can say that the theoretical presence and, and mentorship would allow Jalen Green under CP3's tutelage to hit his zenith on all of the things that we've been asking him to do. Yeah, in a in a perfect world, I I just Dude, don't think you live in a perfect world. On the team, I don't. You live think in a perfect so. world. I don't you think want so. James Harden? Oh, he's gonna do this, and we're gonna win like forty two games. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think I live. I think in you a will win forty two games. I don't know if Jalen Green becomes great. I'm just trying to live in a world where I see James Harden replicating what he did this season on my team instead. And Jalen Green I, just stays exactly the same. And you end up I, trading him for pieces down the road. Okay. Yeah. If you yeah. just throw this, shit out there, then it's going to sound this is ridiculous. ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> I can't even believe you can sit there honestly and tell me you believe that James Harden will help Jalen Green get to his I, highest potential when you have CP3 who has been literally doing it his whole career. I know. I know what CP3's been doing when he's on the floor. I And oh. I 100% agree. If you could sign me up right now and tell me for a fact CP3 is playing 65 games next season, I take CP3. I'll, and if you I can will. tell me for a fact that James Harden would stay off the gentlemen's clubs and not hang out with a bunch of rappers and yeah, eat and cheeseburgers, I, that, that none of that, and stuff then I like think give like two hundred and fifty grand to his homeboy just because it's in Louis Vuitton bag, and we just flossing, and we was really gonna play basketball, and like really mm-hmm. play. Here's the thing about James Harden. Here's what I agree with you. He's one. He reminds me a lot of. T Mac, there's a a crazy talent within that body, a crazy mind in that body, but there's a lack of want to in that body, and there's there's the problem for me. 
You can live off talent and you can live off skill and all of that, but at some point, dude, you're 34. You get into the finals? Yes. You get into the finals, bro? Yes, he has. Like, what have you done in it? Uh, he played you... decently in the first ga- games of the finals, but then lost. He, he was the third best player at that time. What has he been known for in the playoffs? He's not not playing well in the playoffs, but I'm not bringing him in to win playoff games. That's not, not going to be... Like, this Houston team isn't going far in the playoffs during the James Harden contract, whether it's three or four years. Maybe they could win a series, but... They're not going to win the championship. You don't think that CP's three imprint on Shingoon, Jalen Green, and Jaguari Smith will be more, like, more fruitful for you down the road than bringing in James Harden? I think there's a chance it could be more fruitful for us down the road if CP, especially if CP3 was years younger, but... I don't, I just don't think it would connect in the same way. And we have, I just saw James Harden do this last year on the team where he made Tyrese Maxey considerably better. Tyrese Maxey took a major leap playing beside James Harden as a a passer. Even if, even in games, oh, Paul Reed as well as a five. Where was he too? playing and Harden was being the initiator on the what what does that have to do with anything (laughs) so he's gonna go back to Houston where he's the most comfortable yeah and also the most franchise autonomy he can possibly get Mm -hmm. cause your boy Fertitta is like oh you can do whatever you want yeah, yeah. He, whatever you let want. Let him. Ime Udoka won't let him do whatever he wants, though. And Ime Udoka is Fertitta's number one guy right now. So I think he's going to ride with Ime over a guy who's not on the team yet. Could you get somebody that would actually be a lot more compatible with Ime Udoka as maniacal as CP3 is? Well, this is just crazy to me. Yeah, and your side. Yeah, is we're crazy. done with it. Look, we gotta, no, we gotta move on because this yeah. seems like this is never going anywhere. All right. Um, what's the other thing? DeAndre Ayton is out there in the news. Mm. Another player that I'm one hundred percent like disappointed in, in every yeah. facet, in every way. But why would Portland? want to be in on this uh, I, a question the reporting today all all the only reporting about deandre in portland i've actually seen recently was the reporting today that portland is not interested in deandre Ayton. so i think we're pretty safe on that side I, rumors. I, yeah i i think i've seen uh a couple places that might have interest. Uh, there's always the Indiana rumor after they signed him to the uh, contract last year. Um, well, just because they seem to like him, they signed him to the offer sheet last year that got matched by Phoenix. 
Um, I, I've thought that if, uh, there's a way they can work out, uh, I, I, you probably won't like this, but if there's a way they can work out a Tim Hardaway and something deal, I would like to see him in Dallas. I think him alongside Luca would be a much better fit. Um, and they need kind of a guy who can like deliver on that low post scoring as well as his mid range offense would be effective on that team. I think there's a couple positions he could work work in a couple teams that could use a guy like him, but you you need to be bringing him in to be a factor on the low post and a factor in the mid range. You can't be bringing him in to be a rim roller because he's not that. You can't be bringing him in to be a floor spacer because he's not that. And that's been the way Phoenix has tried to use him for the last two years. And it's just been completely ineffective. I love to see him in Dallas. Really yeah. would. Because yeah. I would love Luca to turn him into a bowl of jello and cuss mm-hmm. him out and his language. Absolutely. Because that would happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, get your butt down the court. Stop loafing. By the way, I'm the star. You're not the star. I need you to work hard. Let's go. So, I mean, definitely would be a, I wouldn't call that, I would call that if we were looking at a stock, I would be like, that would be going down as far as the self-esteem meter would go for him. Also, Jason Kidd is the coach of that team. And his owner is Mark Cuban. So, Please, I would love for this to happen. Yeah. I I would love for this because I think this would absolutely destroy that young man. I would love for this to happen. Uh, Not because I don't want him destroyed. I just, at this point, anything is better than flatline. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. At least we get good drama if he goes to Dallas. Yeah. I don't know about play, but... Oh, I believe in him a lot more as a player than you do. I just, I think the there are a couple there. You just need to figure out a way to feature him properly as opposed to trying to make him do the things he's bad at. That's not what's, normally something that's difficult. What's in his big. personality that tells you that he'll ever demand the ball? I don't necessarily want him to demand the ball. Bingo. I I think what he's I think there are things he can do that are effective on an NBA floor if he, if you're built in the right way to maximize them and not built in a way to kind of diminish his abilities and and Luca is that superstar that is so patient with guys that he will definitely uh, just. Put his arm around no, him. 100. I, I see it. I don't think he needs to be patient with him. I think that's like a team that what they'd want him to do is what he's good at. Like Luca doesn't need a rim roller. Luca can find players all over the floor with his passes. He could use someone who's going to provide some pressure on the low post, so people are sagging off him a little bit more, and he can get some momentum. He also could use another shooter in the mid-range 
because Dallas has had a tendency to kind of surround him with mediocre three-point shooters in general. So if there's somewhere else on the floor you have to defend, like an Aiton mid-range shot, especially as a big who can then be drawn out a little bit, providing Lucas some more room on in the driving lanes, I think those are things that are pretty effective. And realistically, it's not too dissimilar from how you were trying to use a guy like Kristaps. It's just doesn't have quite as much um, quite as much spacing to the corners necessarily, but everything else kind of functions a little similarly. And realistically, I think his passing could even take a boost in a situation like that because there's going to be more guys for him to find in advantageous situations rather than in a place like Phoenix where a lot of people were standing around him in the mid-range quite often. All right, we need to finish this off on a happy note because all this has depressed me. Aiden to Dallas, Harden rumors, Kyrie rumors to Houston. Lakers at 17. I would like them to pick someone at 17. Yeah. Consensus right now, like draft composite mm-hmm. looks like Jalen Hood Shafino. Mm. I've seen uh, I'm not, Jordan Hawkins. I'm not excited. I will be really excited about that. Yeah, really yeah. excited. That to me, that's who you draft. Yeah, yeah, I, he's there. I like Jordan Hawkins a lot. Mm-hmm. Jed Howard, no. Nope. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He doesn't fit what you need either. No, you need a defensive, a defensive future. Huh. I'm also out on his statement of, of of what he thinks of his level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. His self scout might need some work. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so. Um, other guys in that neck of the woods. There's really isn't a big that's there. No. No. Um, Me, it's a little high for Sonogo, and it's a little oh, no, high no, no. for for Najee and Clowney. Yeah. So. Oh, Clowney, clutch client. Yeah, but. That's 17 is a little high. Yeah. Well, if I you would, move back, if you move back. Yeah, potentially. You know, because the way this draft is, like, it looks like the other kid from France, Kalabale, is, Kulibale. uh, well, Kalabale, Kulabale, whatever. Sorry about that, young man. Whatever. Is. With him coming up, because it looks like he's a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. It looks like the he's moved up. Yeah. So if he's moved up, that means people are starting to kind of slide back down. So who's in that range that's sliding down? Who's kind of lost some momentum? Because I hear good things about Anthony Black. I hear good things about... Keontae George, I hear good things about Case and Wallace. I hear good things about the 
you know, Cam Whitmore, even Cam Whitmore, I hear a lot of great things about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Lively's got some helium. So, um, if all of these dudes have helium, who's losing helium? Because I don't see uh, the loss of helium. I I think I see one guy particularly with oh. a pretty big loss of helium lately, and that's Grady Dick. Um, oh. I I do like him as a shooter, but I'm starting to see him fall considerably more on composite mocks. I've seen multiple reports that maybe the NBA isn't quite as high on him as uh, mock drafts have been and sees him in a similar category to some of the other shooters that are going to go later in the round, be it Maxwell Lewis, Jet Howard, Bryce Sensabaugh. They kind of see them all um, grouped up. Uh, Another guy who I would say maybe he's not, not necessarily losing too much momentum, but he is a guy who I thought would be a riser and seems to be holding steady in the 20s is Chris Murray. Um, he, He... he had some some buzz earlier and now maybe he's fallen a couple spots on on some boards here and there uh it'd be crazy if he ended up in sacramento though yeah man oh man 24 and 54 being chris murray and amani bates is my call for this draft first of all if amani bates goes near the sacramento kings they should literally turn the beam onto itself and just implode the arena (laughs) <laughs> that's my oh, thought yeah. on Amani Bates. <laughs> I, I I don't mind him as a late pick. Um, I just but can't. Gigi Jackson is another is another guy oh, though who seems yeah. to be losing a little bit of momentum. I haven't really heard too rightly much so about him lately. I like him more so than you as a, a high upside prospect who has like some real creation chops, but he was just put in a situation in South Carolina where they built everything around him and didn't really like work him into an NBA role so much. He's still really young, but he's looking more like the type of guy you need to draft. And then year one, maybe he splits time between the G league and the main team. He was younger than like all his teammates. Yeah. He's younger than, but he's like 18. Right. Yeah, he's the youngest. He was seventeen for most of the year. Yeah, the he just turned eighteen. Yeah, so I mean, that's the play if you're <laughs> if you're looking for high upside. That's the play. Um, I'm just I need maturity. You know, at least I need something where it, it shows that there's some accountability. There was none of that with him. Yeah, I, you well, know. Interviews so far aren't awesome. <laughs> yeah, I so I don't think he was necessarily like put in a spot where accountability was like asked of him, though, to a certain extent. Like they were, they made a big nil offer to him and a big promise to him that this is going to be your team and it doesn't matter if we win or lose games. We're just trying to become uh, a place where prospects will come. And like your kind of our sale to future prospects. So I'm, 
I'm not necessarily sure that it was he for first of all it was the wrong wrong decision for him that much has been clear at this point if he were sitting in a spot to coming out of high school this year he'd probably be the number one prospect on the 2024 board right now and instead we've seen a year of him in college and uh the stock has cooled on him a lot and he's looking like uh, a late first round pick at this point um that that much is evident but i i kind of think the situation that he stepped into as a 17 year old man a, a lot of that blame has to fall on south carolina as much as him so the accountability ac- uh, aspect isn't something i'm holding against him at quite the same extent though okay so theoretically where would you want him to go I would like him to go to, um, I, I know they, they're they tied to some of these uh, creative younger prospects. I don't mind the idea of him in Golden State. Um, Miami would be a situation. That's the that one. Shape. That's the and one. The other, the other one I kind of like is uh, the Nets. I think they're, they're a team that kind of has. Jacques yeah. Yep. Yeah, they, they kind of have like uh, a free time right now to kind of experiment with different prospects in their system, and they'll they'll teach them how to play a role. So I think he needs to kind of go to one of those organizations where it's uh, a lot more narrowed down, maybe even as high as sixteen to the Jazz. I I got some faith in Will Hardy to do kind of similar things, building a program. And he uh, does it does a good job working with players as well. It would it would be a situation where again he probably spend uh, a lot of the year in the G League, but that's another like I think up and coming situation that is going to show the ability to develop some of these players, especially what you've seen from Lowry Martin in this past season. So like having him kind of have Lowry as a guy to look at and be like, Ooh, maybe I can develop that style of game. And you add that to what he can do right now. That's a pretty impressive player. So that's, that's another team that I'd look at as more of a long shot, but I prefer him to go to one of those other three teams. Miami would be the choice for me because he would have no say in the matter. You, you play a certain way and that's it. Yeah, I that's the expectation. I yeah, yeah, I get to that. To me, that's where he needs to go. Let's cut out all the childishness. Let's cut out all the me talk, whatever. And let's get down to business. You want to be great? Here's, hey, look at Jimmy Butler. This is your template. Let's go. Hard work. Yeah. Yeah, so I would love him to go to Miami. Love. That would be... To me, just absolutely perfect, just chef kiss the whole deal if he went to Miami. Mm-hmm. I bet you he wouldn't be jumping on IG afterwards talking about whatever then. Yeah. <laughs> bet you Pat Wiley put yeah, a stop to that. <laughs> that's fair. I wonder, but like part of my question about the accountability thing is like, you think there was even anyone at South Carolina who told him not to do that? 
Like, oh no, no, I, I'm, no. That's a renegade program. They, like you yeah, said, what they were doing. Yeah, there was like, nothing there. There was no support system. Yeah, infrastructure. Talking shit on social media, and he's got like no one in the organization who's like looking out for not only the organization itself, but looking out for him and the way he's presenting himself to the community. I think that's like that's a big part of the Gigi Jackson story. So I, I well, you did throw, tie in the that. Friday conversation pod. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Potentially. That's a professional broadcaster <laughs> there. Look at him. Nico's grown so much. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's a good, we, we yeah, that's end what... up touching on the, the playoffs. Uh, Denver's going to win. We'll probably do a win. podcast. After Jokic is the best. Be yeah, Number one. Best player alive. Yep. Shout out. Yep. Shout out to them. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Tyler Hero's coming back. Maybe maybe yep. he can hit 10 three-pointers and extend it to a game six, but probably not. Keep your hands still broken. Don't come back. It's not worth it to you. 4-1. Okay. Gentlemen sweep. Let it go. So, for the Canadian Bomber, for the Canadian Shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, for the Canadian Zach Lowe and the forever Canadian son of Loretta, current RRT Ma, miss you. Thank R. you R. for the love you sent me yesterday. That was great. Appreciate it. Um, we'll be back on these uh, on this feed soon. Uh, I know we have a lot of draft stuff that we need to get to, so we're going to be uh, hopping on that at some point. But uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll get this out to you momentarily and we thank you all the listeners and the viewers out there thank you for um building this up and we really appreciate all of your uh just just checking out the site checking out the vibe so check in with us at frontrunner pc on twitter at nico frpc on twitter we do have the youtube channel and you know you getting this pod, so you know you got that as well. So we out of here. We will see you guys later, and uh, go Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs>